Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, April 18th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Horace Kermani, and I've got my guy Ramiz here with me as we take on a bunch of Game 2s centered around the Eastern Conference as well as Game 2 of a certain pretty exciting Western Conference matchup that we got to see earlier on in the week as well. But you know, the playoffs have just gotten started, and man, if, you know some of the matchups are pretty much as I expected, have not been really the uh, the competitive feats that I expected them to be. But some of these series have been pretty wild. So, uh, Ramiz, what have you liked so far? What have been what has been your favorite series? How's your week been going? How's fasting going? All of it. Uh, honestly, so uh, you know, Ramadan's coming to an end. Had two exams today. Uh, got I got my fresh cut. Of course, the the viewers can't see. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, I'm really enjoying these playoffs. I think there's a lot of good game ones. Of course, they're the top East uh, matchups were pretty basic, uh, except for Cleveland and uh, Knicks, which we will, mm-hmm. we will be talking about. But the Western Conference, I did like, of course, Lakers, Memphis, Clippers, Suns. I mean, these are primetime matchups. Yeah, primetime matchups for sure. I mean, that, that Clippers Sun game, I mean, has anyone ever had a more effective three of 19 shooting nights? <laughs> that's, that's what Russell Westbrook had but still had all the winning plays down the stretch to be able to win the game. And honestly, I, I, I expected that series to be able to go anywhere between six to seven. So looks like we're uh, definitely going to be looking at a long one over there. But what isn't a long one is that it's a three-game slate on this night here, which is good as far as these playoffs are concerned because you really get to focus in on what is a pretty a pretty clear rotation that we can look at, although there are definitely going to be some adjustments made, especially if you're a team like Atlanta, which got absolutely hammered in that first game against Boston. And they actually are the ones that are starting off our three-game slate over here. Atlanta, again, going into Boston, game two of the playoffs, a 230 total for this one with the Boston Celtics favored to win by 10 on this one. Now, that first game was just bad all around. I mean, Atlanta has definitely been a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team, but even the fact that it's a 13-point game at the end actually makes it look better than it was. Atlanta was just absolutely mismatched ever since that second quarter where I think they let Boston score 45 on them at that time, and then from there, it was just like, yeah, we're just waiting for the clock to expire. So, yeah, I'll let you get started on this one over here. As far as injuries are concerned, it's looking... Pretty good overall as far as uh, both teams are here. I mean, we saw the rotation start to come through, but, you know, who are you liking in this matchup? What kind of ro- what kind of adjustments can Atlanta make to try to make this a little bit more competitive? Uh, I mean, I-, I love how you gave me the worst game of the slate. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, I kind of went with the more of a the budget options games. I have some bigger picks in the upcoming matches. I believe you mm. will as well. Uh, but on the Hawks side of things, I do want to see a lot more DeAndre Hunter. I think that's some a player who, is probably their best perimeter defender. So I think I think he played around 29 minutes. Of course, it was a blowout, so he didn't get that opportunity. But I do want to see more involved. I think even last year, when they faced the Miami in the first round, he had a really great series. And I was just doing his basic things, right? Hitting threes and just playing defense. So I, I think DeAndre Hunter at 4,500 is a good pick, to a, mm. a really great upside pick as well, because you need you need to play him. I mean, regardless if you don't, if he doesn't bring offense, you need to play him because Sadiq Bey, uh, Bogdanovich, these guys aren't wing defenders, and you can't rely on them too really guard Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Now, of course, I'm not saying DeAndre Hunter is going to clamp him up because you're talking about the all-NBA players, but uh, mm. he can definitely do a really decent job. And uh, I also have Bogdanovich here for 4,800 because uh, uh, obviously I am a bit intrigued by how they do play this game because Trae Young was a bit 
bit lenient, like a bit laid back. So maybe he does hog the ball a bit more because he trusts himself more. But I do like Bogdanovich at 4,800 because I think, I think if there's, if there's one way Atlanta Hawks is going to win, it's going to be by scoring the ball a lot of times. Because defensively, it's, they're not really capable of guarding a lot. The Celtics, well, not many teams are. Uh, but Bogdanovich at 4,800, I like him because I think he can really be a good scoring punch and possibly uh, just light it up and be an annoyance for the Celtics. On the Celtics side of things, I also went with uh, players with similar range. Uh, Derek White at 5,300, he had an amazing game one. Mm-hmm. Uh, continues to have an amazing season overall. Uh, obviously, this this season has been incredible, so his performance has kind of gone under the radar. But against Atlanta, I think uh, he's been actually starting. He started at the two spot, which was uh, intriguing, but uh, it paid off, right? I mean, he's been probably been their best guard. I mean, he's been hitting his shots, which is exactly what you want. Uh, and at 5,300, I think he's a really great pick because knowing that they have DeJounte Murray, Bogdanovich, uh, and Trey Young, they can afford to play these three guard lineups if they prefer to. And Derek White is a great defender, so he even gets a lot more minutes based off the the matchups. And I also have Robert Williams at 4900. Uh, Robert Williams is kind of a center that I like out of these three game slates that uh, can bring you some high upside. Uh, Al Horford, uh, he kind of depends on his shooting, so of course if he has a great shooting night, then maybe he'll get more minutes. But Robert Williams at 4900, he had a pretty amazing uh, first game based off uh, his price. And if you can replicate some sort of that at 4,900, I think you, you are expecting a great night from him. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And I think most people are going to be around that same kind of mid-range, not looking to overcommit too much to a game that could potentially be a blowout. Though I do expect Atlanta to come back and uh, do quite a bit better in this game. Uh, we did see DeJounte Murray have a very solid game in the first one. And I'm still going to go out and say that him at 8,000 is actually a pretty good pick for me to be able to throw out. And especially as a contrarian to some of the other guards we're going to be seeing in the next two games, I think he's going to be one that could have some low ownership and you can take advantage of that. Again, we got we saw him put up 25 shots in that first game there without being able to hit a single three. In fact, Atlanta as a team only shot 18% from the three-point line. So definitely some improvement to be seen over there alongside the fact that his ancillary stats are always going to be in play. The minutes are going to be there. He's definitely going to need to play somewhere close to 40 minutes to get there. And for someone who's going to be your lead guard, I like him a lot more than I do like Trey. And he's $1,000 cheaper. I'm right there with you on uh, on Boyan, though, for sure. I think he's uh, definitely a key, key offensive guy for the uh, the Atlanta Hawks to be able to put up any sort of resistance, especially on that second unit, really leading the shots coming off the bench there. Uh, Derek White, you already mentioned it. Although I will say uh, Jalen Brown, who I don't necessarily love taking on a regular basis, but again, we're talking picks that can absolutely work out. He was 9,500 in the last game, and there's obviously been some adjustment on how things are going to, I guess, with the ownership numbers, but he's down to 8,500 for this game here and, you know, dropped 50 DK points in the last game there, and it's not like any of the uh, stat lines that he put up was completely you know, non-replicable, even if his 12 rebounds was a bit kind of above his head. He shot well, ended up on 29 real points, and should be able to rack up the rest of the ancillary stats to get him somewhere in the 40s. So I think those are some pretty safe picks as far as cash is concerned. The GPP upside is definitely with uh, the Derek Whites, the even potentially Al Horford, who, again, 38 minutes in the last game, only 5,500. I, I may like him as a little bit more of an offensive option as well. And then there's always the revenge game factor of it. You know, Atlanta, <laughs> he can go ahead and take out, remind him exactly who he is for them. But I think that brings us to the end of that game. Let's go right into the second one, which, as you <laughs> rightly pointed out, has been probably the most intriguing of these early uh, Eastern Conference series so far. The New York Knicks going into Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers after a very, 
very impressive game one win for them. And, you know, the betters are, or the betting lines are expecting that Cleveland makes a comeback here. We are looking at a 214 total for this game. So definitely the lowest of the three that we're going to see today with the Cavaliers favored to win by five and a half. So I, I may have a little bit of interest in taking some of that Nick spread to be able to cover that. <laughs> but as far as injuries are concerned, uh, the one big one, uh, for uh, New York Knicks is going to be Josh Hart, who is uh, considered doubtful for this game, had an ankle sprain, uh, likely is not going to be playing. So, you know, we're going to be seeing some more minutes out of these uh, other guards there to help make that up. And then beyond that, the rest of the rotation looks pretty good there. Um, I mean, I can get started on this one over here, which is really, uh, first and foremost, if we're talking about those guards that are in that 8,000 range, if I'm not taking DeJounte Murray, I'm likely going to have a good bit of exposure here to Jalen Brunson instead, who even though he didn't necessarily have the greatest night from a DK point standpoint, really showed just how important he's going to be to the New York's New York Knicks chances to actually win this game. And he only needed to play 30 minutes in the first game where even though it looked you know closer at the end there, really the Knicks were quite solidly ahead and had the Cavs number throughout that game there. So I actually expect that that mini total goes up with the Cavaliers having a, a game to try and come back here at home. Absolutely need this game. Cannot go two down and have to go into uh, into the garden to try to make up the series. So the big thing is that Jalen Brunson was able to put up about 37 DK points while only getting two rebounds and two assists in that time. I expect that number starts to normalize as the rest of the Knicks kind of hit their, hit their shots regularly and he uh, is able to get himself going too. So him at 7,900, I like him a good bit more than I like Randall for 8,600, even though Randall himself had a pretty decent night as well. I just think the guard position is going to be where a lot of this series is going to be played and where I'll likely spend a good bit of time. And then on the other side of the uh, of the coin over here, with the Josh Hart injury, I do expect that Emmanuel quickly is going to be the main guard to be able to step up for him. I expect his ownership is going to be pretty low considering he had an absolute dud of a game in the first game, only played 24 minutes, couldn't hit a single shot and uh, ended up with only eight DK points for an 8,000 salary. So I'm sure a lot of people were burned if they did uh, take that chance on him. But that's exactly why we played the next game. And I think Emmanuel quickly is in a position to be able to go ahead and uh, turn that around. But who you like on the Knicks side, who you're looking at from the Cleveland side as well? Uh, from the Knicks side, I think you spoke on it really well about Jalen Brunson, 7,900. Uh, just just watching that game, you can tell he's going to have a lot of responsibility, especially since the backup point guard is Emmanuel Quickly, so he really isn't a traditional point guard. So they definitely need Jalen Brunson to perform on that playmaking side of things. But he didn't have an up-to-par game, but he still performed pretty well in terms of DK value. So uh, I think he can kind of replicate that even to a much more uh, to bring more value in game two. Uh, obviously, with Randall, uh, the reason I don't like Randall in this type of series because he is going against Mobley and Jared Allen, which is a tough... Uh, tough matchup for him because it's going to be a lot of physical contact and a lot of uh, contesting. I mean, especially since Evan Mobley was top three in a defensive player of the year, uh, I believe, finalist. So it is a tough matchup for him. I also have Quentin Grimes here. I, I think you went for quickly, but I'm going with Quentin Grimes because mm-hmm. I think uh, with no heart, I think Quentin Grimes might be the main defender on uh, Donovan Mitchell, who is probably going to be aiming, I mean, probably going hard for this game two victory because you don't want to go back to New York down 2-0. So uh, I think Quinton Grimes is probably going to take those minutes and uh, hopefully he can just hit his threes and just provide defense. I think at 4,700, it's pretty good value. And then uh, on the Cavs side of things, uh, I decided to spend a, a good amount of money here for Donovan Mitchell at 9,200. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, one of the factors is no Josh Hart. So if you're looking at Quinton Grimes, Quinton Grimes is a pretty great defender, but 
there's going to be a lot of switches. You might have uh, quickly on him. You might have Brunson on him. And I think, uh, I mean, Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs, especially after his game one performance, I think he's going to have an amazing night. Because uh, this is probably like a must-win scenario. Obviously, this is a lot of the series left, but it's really on, like, really can mess with your confidence going down to, especially to Madison Square Garden, where the fans would be absolutely insane over there. So uh, I think Donovan Mitchell is in a must-win game. I think he's going to have a great night at 9,200. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can go very wrong with Donovan Mitchell, given how involved he is going to be with the offense. Although, <laughs> I'm, try- I'm trying to think of a little bit from the other side here, because Darius Garland, who did have a very, very odd game in that first one. I mean, he shot it pretty well, but he just looked so disengaged is really the, the best way I can go about saying it. Only ended up with one assist, didn't get any rebounds, just looked very much like, here, Donovan, go do something. And that was <laughs> not really how Garland has played up until now. And for him to play 43 minutes and end up with just that, I think he's going to be putting it on himself to go ahead and do better than that. He's going to have to be a lot more aggressive. He's going to have to be a lot more involved, especially if we're trying to make sure that Donovan Mitchell is getting the best kind of looks. Because if he has to do everything in ISO, that's very much the same situation he found himself in Utah, and that's where it, things got bad. He ends up shooting 30 times a game and only hitting like 10 shots, and you get in trouble. So Garland is going to be super, super important to this team to try and get himself back. And at 7,400, I think he's in a great spot to be able to turn it around. Again, he's kind of been in that high 30s to low 40s throughout the uh, throughout the regular season. And I expect that if we can get somewhere back to normal on that, there's a lot of upside to be able to get that. And he does have that size advantage on some of the smaller guards that are there on the New York side. So if they're going to be focusing very heavily on Donovan Mitchell, I expect Garland's going to be the one to uh, get a little bit of that shine and uh, take a little bit of that pressure off of Mitchell. And I expect that we're going to see a little bit more of Karis LeVert as well. Only 18 minutes in the last game, which was a little uh, a little surprising depending on how much they needed him. Now, I'm sure some of it was just because he couldn't hit the side of a barn door, one of seven in that game, and just looked really off from his shooting perspective. But again, for a guy who's going to be needed to rack up a lot of offense on a team that needs it from the backcourt, especially with the fact that you know most of their other uh, guys are either you know defensive first or you know just straight up bench facilitators at best. You're going to need Karis LeVert to be a shot maker for you. And his price has dropped all the way to 4,300 here, which I think gives him a lot of room to be able to have a pretty decent game and, and get himself back up onto his uh, his kind of regular shooting as we were seeing kind of in March and even uh, late February. So expect to see a turnaround game there. And that's where I'm going to be focusing as far as my value is concerned. But last game of the night, which is why we're saving the value, which is why we're trying to put our money together so that we can get the salaries of both Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant in this game. The Clippers, game two, going into Phoenix again, 225.5 total. Phoenix Suns favored to win by 7.5. So definitely, you know, betting line is expecting the Phoenix Suns to be able to make a comeback after what was a pretty exciting game all the way through and then just... Kawhi took over, man. That's all I can say. I, shades of Toronto Kawhi showed up there. That was all like fourth quarter. The isolation, the shots that he was hitting, I was just like, okay, okay, we're back at this again. So the claw is going to be a thing. But I expect the series is going to be very, very, very closely contested all the way through. And I do expect that Phoenix is going to make a big, big statement on this one to be able to come back. But we'll see what that looks like. Injuries, of course. Paul George, who is expected to miss the entire series 
over here. So that's going to continue to put extra pressure on the rest of the pieces of the Clippers to pick up and uh, get their offense going. While on the Phoenix side of things, it's really just uh, campaign who is questionable for uh, for this game over here. See if he's able to get back on the floor. I'll let you get started on this one because I know you're excited Ooh. to talk about this game. So talk to me. Talk to me about the Clippers uh, and on the Phoenix Suns. Who are you looking at? Where are you spending your money? So this is the part where I kind of predict how a game goes and it goes completely opposite. Okay. So uh, <laughs> let's, get, let's get into it. All right. So I'm not going for Kawhi. And the reason is because I think they – I believe they're going to double-team Kawhi a lot because Westbrook didn't have a great shooting night. I think they're going to want Westbrook. They're going to want Terrence Mann. They're going to want – Norman Powell to beat these guys because I think uh, the, honestly the Suns' offense was pretty atrocious except for that eight or run that they had in the third quarter. Uh, so I think they're going to try to double team Kawhi because he was absolutely insane in that fourth quarter. Uh, so I, I I have Westbrook at seventy eight hundred because I think uh, three for nineteen can it get any worse? <laughs> so hopefully he can do his thing and get his eight rebounds, get his uh, seven eight assists, and then uh, provide a defensive impact uh, defensive impact that he did in that first game. Uh, obviously not to the same level, but again, if you can get a few steals, a few blocks, that'd be incredible. And just have a great shooting night because three for nineteen was uh was is really bad. But I mean, I, like I said, I don't think he had any worse. And I also have Norman Powell at fifty two hundred because I think he is a really uh kind of like an X factor in the series without Paul George. They need to get that scoring from some other players, and I think Norman Powell who, at fifty two hundred is a player, a key player in that because he has experience with the Raptors, uh, and so playoff experience from the Raptors. Mm. And I think uh, he can provide you with a scoring punch while also providing some defense. And I also have Terrence Mann, who I believe is like 3,800. So I think he's a really great player. Uh, like you mentioned, if you want to go for Katie, you want to go for Kawhi, and tr- maybe Donovan Mitchell in one slate, I think uh, Terrence Mann is a great player to try to fit in that because he's only 3,800. And he will be getting a lot of minutes because uh, you're going to need his defense to guard a Chris Paul, to guard a Devin Booker. And on the Suns side of things, I'll say this one with Katie at 9,300. Like I said, the, the Suns offense was absolutely trash. It was this giving it to KD and ISO, giving it to Booker and ISO. So I think KD at 9,300, he's, uh, like I said, I kind of similar to what I said about the the Cavs situation. They can't lose this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is the game that Kate, Kevin Durant is going to go off at 9,300. Uh, he had an amazing game one, and uh, I don't think he'll have a horrible game. So I think he'll re- probably repeat that, if not have a, even a better game at night uh, against the Clippers in game two. And I also have a Kobe at 3,900 because uh, they started Torrey Craig in game one. And I think they made your result to an Okogi, who is much more of a quicker defender out on the perimeter. And I just think in general, he probably needs a lot more minutes because uh, they need defense. And uh, I think they were playing Terrence, Matt, uh, Terrence Ross and Torrey Craig. These guys just weren't cutting it. So I think they might try to run Okogi in the rotation. So Okogi, he's kind of those players who just fit in the slate as well, who might not bring a lot of DK value. But like I said, I think he's going to get a lot more minutes. So he's going to have a lot of opportunities, a lot of open threes. And at 3,900 is a pretty cheap uh, pick. All right, fair. I think that's a bit harsh on Torrey Craig because he did a pretty admirable job on on Kawhi as much as could be expected. And I ended up with 22 points himself as well, hitting his shot. So I expect that they will continue to put him in there. And he is one of the plays. But yeah, on the Clippers side, look, there's people are going to take Kawhi. Kawhi is going to be about 60, 70 percent owned on the slate, given exactly what he did and given exactly what the Clippers are going to need from him. And the fact that his price is actually a little bit lower from what it was in the last game against sub 10,000. If I'm banking on who is going to be the highest kind of pure DK point scorer on the night, it's more likely in my mind to be Kawhi than it is to be Kevin Durant. One, from an adjustment perspective, as you said, but also just uh, how much more 
there is, as far as offensive options are concerned, on the Phoenix side to be able to try to make up at least somewhat with both um, with both the Devin Booker and uh, Chris Paul going to be needing to get a little bit more going on that side. But Clippers, if it's not Kawhi, you're really banking on, as you said, Norman Powell and, and even Eric Gordon to really get you kind of going off the start over there. We did see that from Eric Gordon in the first quarter last game, ended up with uh, 14 real points in that one and kind of carried that through, hit a big shot at the end of the game as well to be able to basically uh, ice it. So for 4,400, for a guy who's going to continue to start for the 2-3 position for them, I expect he uh, continues to be that. And Norman Powell is definitely going to need to be closer to that kind of 20-point mark for them to uh, kind of get that regular sort of offense. I'm still waiting for Ty Lue to get his head on straight and play, play Robert Covington. Like, <laughs> like, bro, you can't do this. You cannot have that level of defender sitting on the bench, but I am going to uh, hope that he gets uh, gets some of that rotation piece going. Not like I'm able to jump off and take him for 3,300, but I'm expecting he'll at least get to play some decent minutes on here. So waiting for that. But on the... Uh, on the Phoenix side, I'm pretty much right there with you with the plays that you did say. That being said, if we've been talking about the uh, the center so far and uh, the ones that uh, we have potentially liked, I do think DeAndre Ayton is a guy who's going to get more and more invo- involved in this series as time goes on. Did end up with 16 shots in the last game. He didn't really get uh, much from the defensive side of things, just that one block. So I expect that's going to be something that is going to be of greater focus, especially as the Clippers are finding themselves pushing a lot more of the Mason Plumlee, the Zubats, to be able to go ahead and push. And that was actually one of the bigger differentiators of that first game, that amount of points in the paint that they were able to get, those offensive rebounds that uh, the Clippers were able to get. All of those were absolutely destroying what the Phoenix Suns were doing after their kind of first possession defense, which actually wasn't bad. So... I expect DeAndre Ayton is going to need to get a bit of a kick in the butt and get himself back and going. And at 6,200, he has more than enough upside to be able to do that. So I definitely like him in this matchup to have a uh, a turnaround game from that first one there. And I'm going to stick with Torrey Craig. Like I said, 4,200, there's just not much downside. And a guy who's definitely going to play somewhere close to 30 minutes is going to be needed on the defensive end as far as uh, the Phoenix Suns are concerned to be able to try and put some sort of a body on Kawhi. And like I said, to his credit, he did that pretty well for the first really like two and a half to three quarters there. But as uh, they started to get gassed and Kawhi started to get going, that's just uh, that's just is what it is, man. So you just got to deal with it. But altogether, it should be a very exciting matchup. That the seven and a half point spread, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's going to be that much Phoenix uh, for Phoenix to win that uh, convincingly. They're going to have to do a lot to turn around that first game because that first game was not it as far as... Uh, their chances in the series are concerned so big one for them but that does bring us to the end of our three game slate and i said playoffs are always more exciting from a uh, matchup perspective but also from a rotation perspective that's why injuries become that much more important make sure you're subscribed to sports ethos the dfs pass so that you keep yourself up to date with the pros all the way up until lineup lock for those last minute changes for any uh more so at this point, advice from guys who have been absolutely killing it throughout the season. And you know, if you haven't been following them on on the Discord, on Twitter, where they're always kind of talking about the different uh, different strategies, the different wins that they've been able to put, you're missing out. Get yourself on there. You can catch myself uh, on as well at uh, hk underscore devil. And before we uh, go, we're always going to talk about the Thrive Fantasy side of things. Where Ramiz, I was going to look at you. I've actually got. A number of picks on here. I was looking at four, but I don't know if I'll name all four here. But as always, before we end off the night, we are going to be talking about the Thrive Fantasy side of things, where those daily props are going to be looking at you for quite a few options here. And 
I don't know if you were uh, as kind of conflicted as I was from these. I was looking at these ones, and I've got about four of them that I felt pretty good about over here. But I was going to let you start and tell me kind of where you think, and that could help maybe you know break down some of these that I was going to speak about otherwise. Uh, I got I got I got three picks actually. So I'm going to start with mm-hmm. uh, Donovan Mitchell. I think uh, over 33 and a half total points. Uh, like I said, I'm going all in on my uh, DK picks as well. So Donald Mitchell over 33 and a half total points. And in game two, I think uh, he's going to get a lot of shots. Uh, and I hope as long as the game stays close, I think he's going to get like around 40 minutes. Because uh, like, I, like I said, I believe this is like a, one of those must-win games. And uh, I think this is a pretty good pick to get 120 points. I like it. All right. Well, then, sticking with that same... Uh, same brand over there. Hopefully, Darius Garland will be passing the ball to Donovan Mitchell to be able to go ahead and complete it because six and a half assists for him to go over on that. I did like his uh, his chances to turn it around on here. Again, averaging nearly eight for the season. Just needed to get himself a lot more aggressive. Just plain and simple. Has to get more involved in offense for the Cleveland Cavaliers to be in any way uh, successful. So, yeah, let's uh, take him at six and a half to get uh, 100 points there. Uh, my next pick is, uh, I believe you probably have him as well as Kevin Durant, perhaps at 39 and a half total points, rebounds, assists. Uh, he's just the guy who I think is going to get around 30 to 35 minutes at the bare minimum. And uh, as long as he gets his averages, which will probably be around 28 points or something, and does get a, like his rebounds and a couple of assists, he should easily be able to get an over on that number, 39 and a half total, and you can get 105 points from it. Yeah, and I'm not even going to spend too much time. I think him and Kawhi are the exact same. <laughs> <laughs> exact same PRA, and I think both of them are in a position to be able to get over. But the other one that I was looking at was going back to that uh, Knicks-Cavs game, which is, again, with the Jalen Brunson side of things. 28.5 points and assists for him to go over. Not as juicy as some of these other ones, but you want something safe to be able to start your lineup off. 90 points for him to go over that. Uh, we saw how many shots he got in the first game. 24 in that one. I expect that he's going to continue to be in the mid-20s for the majority of this series. So, Pretty safe bet uh, for him to actually get somewhere close to that in actual points. So just an assist or two should be able to get him past that uh, 28 and a half mark. And my last pick is, uh, like I said, kind of what I'm saying off DK, uh, my DK picks, which is Westbrook over 20 and a half total points at 110. And obviously, it's one of those probably uh, picks that <laughs> might not be picked a lot. But uh, like I said, I don't. I think Westbrook's going to have a great night in terms of uh-huh. shooting. I think Kawhi's going to get a lot more double teams, so a lot of the responsibilities will go to Westbrook, and uh, I think this is a great chance for him to get a score over 20.5. Okay. Well, he'll definitely have to do better than 3 of 19 to be able to get to that, <laughs> but even 6 of 19 could probably get him close to that if he can get yeah. a couple of those uh, assists yeah, to go with I mean, a couple of those free throws to go with it. So, yeah, let's see how that looks, but that does bring us to the end of this slate over here. As always, like I said, you can catch me at on Twitter at HAK underscore devil. Talk to me about your playoff strategies. Maybe talk to me about your brackets. Who are you thinking in terms of uh, the teams that are going to be coming out of the East and the West? Ramiz, do you have any early picks? Who are you liking so far? Uh, to, to make the finals? Mm-hmm. Oh, I got Milwaukee. Oh, I got okay. Milwaukee and I got... Uh, I, got I don't know. The West <laughs> is tough. I, I don't know. The West is so tough. But... Uh, I, I'm going to say Denver. Denver, okay. Like Denver. 
Yep, that Denver who I had from the West. And I'm going to stick with my boy Harden in the East. So we're going to say Whoa. that uh, Philly's going to be the one to come through. Hey, Raptors man. Raptors fencing Philly? Oh, my goodness. More like Harden fencing Harden. But let's see. <laughs> let's see how it goes. Look, man, I can't hate on everyone in the Atlantic, which I probably do. But then who's really left? <laughs> but, yeah, that does bring us to the end of this slate. I hope everyone is having a great week. Except for those who are celebrating. You know, Ethan Bark ahead <laughs> of time for those uh, on this weekend but uh, beyond that definitely keep up with us keep engaging and we will see you on the next one let's take down some of these playoff gpps <laughs>